All right, friends, fishing the deep. So there are two kinds of people in this world, those who inch and those who plunge. Which one are you? Now let me, I better give like a tiny bit more context for that. So here's how you know whether you're one who inches or one who plunges. So um, it's summer, right? It's finally summer. Yeah, I do. I realize it's not summer, but we're imagining. Go with it. It's finally summer. You have been cooped up inside for six long months. It's the first really hot weekend of the year, and you are finally going to get to go to the lake. So it's not a small venture, right? All the packing, the loading, the driving, but finally you make it off the highway through the town into the woods, all the way down to the end of the road, and there is the lake. Look at that beautiful sparkling water before you. So shoes come off, swimsuits come on, and you are so ready to be in that water. So that's the moment where you know. What do you do in that moment? Are you the person who just runs pell-mell down the dock and leaps into the water? Or are you the person who walks up to the edge, dips in a toe, then a foot, lets the water wash around your ankles, in a little bit, goes up, like in up to your knees, eventually all, to your, all the way to your waist before finally, finally easing into the water. An incher or a plunger? Now, I have always wished I was a plunger, right? To be that person who's just like bold and brave and plunging off the edge. It seems so much more fun, so much more glamorous. Sadly, that is so not me. I am every inch the incher. It takes me like at least 20 minutes to get all the way into the water longer if I'm gonna get my hair wet. But what, so what, right? I still get in, don't I? It's still fun. It's just like a less glamorous, gradual kind of fun, that's all. Inchers forever. Now friends, I want to tell you about ancient Near East cosmology. Let's talk about that for a little bit. So this is back in Bible times, especially Old Testament, this is how people understood the universe. Now, they thought it was just our world, right? Like no other planet. So, um, and they pictured our world as a disk floating on the waters, flat, flat disk, of course, right? Floating on the waters. Um, so that was the universe. And then um, around the edges are the foundations of the heavens. And the heavens are like this dome that covers our earth. And the dome is called the firmament. And so then the stars are stuck into the firmament. And the sun and the moon rise and fall around the arc of the firmament. And in the firmament, there are doors that can open for rain or snow or lightning to come out from the storehouses in the heavens above. So all of this is above the earth, right? All of these things. Now, there were only two things believed to be underneath the earth. The first is Sheol. It's like the shady, under, shadowy underworld that was believed to be the resting place of the dead. And then underneath Sheol, underneath everything, was the deep, which was like, like this bottomless, primordial waters. And this, now this is obviously not like a scientifically accurate description of our universe as we know very well by now. Um, but, but I wonder if it might be like a experientially accurate picture of our world. So like, let's talk about the deep, okay? 
this idea of the deep. Because for centuries before it pops up in today's gospel story, this idea of the deep, it is woven in and out everywhere in our scriptures. So in the very beginning, Genesis says that all there was was the deep, and God creates out of the deep the creation, the earth, the firmament, the heavens, the skies, the sun, the moon, all that is created out of the deep. And then when we get to Noah and the story of the flood, it says that the flood comes about not just because of 40 days of rain, but because the fountains of the great deep burst forth. So in other words, there's not just water coming down, but water surging up and destroying everything that's in its wake. In Ezekiel, the prophet describes powerful empires as, as towering trees whose roots are nourished by the deep. In Jonah, when Jonah prays to God from the belly of the whale, he accuses God of casting him into the deep. And Jesus, when he goes by night to the Pharisee Nicodemus, he tells Nicodemus that to enter heaven, we need to be born again from the deep, from the waters of baptism. So the deep, it's not necessarily like good or bad, right? It can destroy or devour. It can also empower, renew, strengthen, protect. And it's not, it's not God, it's separate from God, but it is so very closely linked to God and to God's power and to God's creativity. And especially as we read through books like Proverbs and Psalms, we hear how God calls to the deep, speaks out of the deep, brings light into the deep, lays the foundations for the deep, puts gates around the deep, rescues us from the deep, leads people to freedom through the deep, covers us with the deep as protection from that which would cause us harm. And this idea of the deep, now I do realize we're not like floating on some kind of giant puddle, but this idea of the deep, it, it feels true to me. Like it feels like an accurate capturing of what we experience in life. Like maybe the deep, maybe the deep is like, like the experiences that change us and shape us into who we are. Like the interactions that inspire our strongest emotions, loyalty, sacrifice, devotion, joy, pain, grief, love. It's like the things that go beyond words to deep words, the things that aren't even things, but that we feel so keenly, it's like they're palpable, right? Like, ah, I feel like I'm babbling, but like, do you know what I mean? Like the deep things, the profound things, they can be beautiful or brutal or both, but they are powerful and they are real. They're like the things that make life, life. And it's almost like underneath everything that we see at a glance, underneath objects and physics and errands and emails and moving this here and that there. Underneath all of that, there is a depth to life. There's a, this powerful, meaningful force pulsing underneath everything, this force that can both create or destroy. And it is a force that Jesus leads us right out into because Jesus knows how to fish the deep. There's one little detail, one little detail in today's gospel reading that fascinates me, just fascinates me. But first, let's do just, just a quick recap. So they're, all, they're gathered by the Sea of Galilee, right? 
and um, the fishermen are all packing up for the day. And Jesus asks one of them, Simon Peter, if he can step into his boat and go out just a little bit so he can teach from his boat. And Simon Peter does, so he does that. And when he's done teaching, he asks Peter to take him out even deeper, which he does. And when they get out to the depth, Jesus asks Peter to start fishing again, which he very, very reluctantly does. And then, lo and behold, they pull in this amazingly, astoundingly huge catch. Now, here's what I think is just fascinating. There is not one word mentioned in this story about what Jesus says as he's talking to the crowds. Not one word. Doesn't that seem strange? Like the writer of Luke. So here's Luke who's trying to document for posterity what we should learn from Jesus. And he doesn't include even a tiny inkling of what Jesus actually says as he teaches. And it almost seems as if the relevant thing for us as future readers is not what Jesus says, but what Jesus does. And what does he do? He goes out deeper, deeper, deeper. And as he does, he wants to take Peter along with him. A boat in the harbor is safe. But that is not what boats were meant for. We can stand and listen from the shore, but that is not what we were called for. We can keep our faith here in this room, but this is not where we were meant to drop our nets. If we truly want to follow Jesus, we've got to go deep and just be all in. Deep friendships, deep service, deep reflection, deep repentance, deep learning, deep love. Nine years ago this month, so February of 2013, Andrew and I hired a photographer for our upcoming wedding. And when we did, she offered to throw in an engagement shoot for free. Now, we were pretty broke at the time and also kind of lazy, so we thought it would be really great if our engagement photos could double as the save the date card. So here's the brilliant idea we came up with. This was our plan. We'd go to our favorite lake and we would have her take a photo of us jumping in to the lake from the dock. We'd call it taking the plunge, then we put the date of the wedding on it, and there we go, boom, save the date. Brilliant, right? Except it was February. And now we were living in Washington at the time, not Wisconsin, but even in Washington, lake water in February is no joke, right? No joke. So when I jumped in and I went under the water, I honestly thought maybe I had died for a minute. It was so cold. Now, luckily, the photographer did get the photo. She was super nervous that she was going to mess it up and not catch it. We told her we were definitely not doing it twice, but she got the photo. It was amazing. Would I do it again? Absolutely not. So friends, is the message of this story that we should all just be brave and just plunge in to whatever God is calling us to do? No, I would never take that plunge again. Totally not worth it, even for that awesome card. Remember, I'm not a plunger. I'm an incher, and I stand by that method because you know what's true? Yes, God does call us to go deep, deep personal examination of ourselves and deep involvement in the people and the communities that we care about. But when we're off the water, 
Depth usually does not come in an instant. Depth comes gradually over time. And you know how it comes? It mostly comes just by showing up. Nothing glamorous, nothing flashy, just showing up again and again, investing in each other for the long haul, just being here and showing up over and over and over, inch by inch by inch, until they have become part of us and we have become part of them. That is where we find the deep, friends. And that is when we haul in a catch so rich and so precious that it could only have come from God. So my friends, in this next chapter, may you continue to inch closer to the deep. When the time is right, may you put down your nets and let the God who created out of the deep create a new thing in you. Amen.